Hello, America. Hello, Alaska. Welcome to Stand, where we are making courage contagious. I'm your host, Kelly Chewbacca, a former candidate for U.S. Senate in Alaska, and I'm joined by my amazing husband and co-host, Nikki Chewbacca, a former civil rights attorney at the Department of Justice. We're broadcasting today from Alaska's last frontier. Subscribe now to Stand with Kelly Nikki Chewbacca and become one of our standouts. You can find all of our information on our website, standshow.org. All of our episodes are there. So let's strap in tight for an intellectual bull ride with our powerhouse guest today, Naomi Wolf. She's a fearless thinker, an author, a journalist, and civil rights activist. She's consistently pushed the boundaries for intellectual discourse. For those who aren't familiar with Naomi Wolf, she is a prominent Democrat, an influencer in politics, academia, feminist thought, big tech, and the health industry. You know, just to name a few areas. Nikki and I discussed and debated all of her ideas during our academic careers, and we've watched with great interest her journey and transformation in thinking over the past several years, which is what we're going to dive into today. And she's brilliantly detailed that journey in her latest book called Facing the Beast. So, Naomi, thank you so much for being with us on stand today. We're so excited to talk with you. Thank you so much. What a lovely introduction. How distinguished both of you are. And um, <laughs> I just wanted to say before we dive in so your audience doesn't hate me right off the bat that I'm actually no longer a Democrat. I'm an independent, but I should so, update my bio. It's such a fascinating <laughs> journey. Um, we've been watching this and we're actually really interested in talking with you about it. I think that you talk about it in some in some detail in the book, um, but to the extent we can get into it. So this book, which I got to read, thanks for the advanced copy, is uh, shocking and heart-wrenching. So open my eyes, it changed the way I think, it brought tears to my eyes because of your, your personal stories that were in there were actually really gripping. It's such a rich book, we could probably do two or three episodes on this book, but we don't have that time. So if you could just summarize, like what's the main takeaway? If you want our readers to say, Look, this is the this is the main point that I'd like you to leave with from facing the beast. What would that be? Uh, wow, I guess the main point is that I think we're at an historic crossroads in which we're all being tested, and mm -hmm. um, it's a moral battle, uh, and that the kind of apocalypse we're seeing around us that has launched since twenty twenty, and and brought us to an absolute precipice as a human species is um, is manifesting a, a kind of a metaphysical battle between good and evil. That's the that's the core of it. The, the more um, kind of pedestrian, what is it about is it's the story of my life for the last two and a half years since I was ousted from my very comfy perch as a legacy media um, spokesperson for the liberal elite, so, you know, um, and I was ousted for telling the truth about harms to women, especially to their reproductive health through these mRNA injections. And that was a blessing in disguise because while it was traumatic and I lost friends and livelihood and my whole kind of life in some ways, um, I gained much more because mm -hmm. it thrust me into what I call the rest of America and conversations with conservatives and libertarians and people of faith. Um, and I, I realized uh, how many lies I've been told um, and mm. and found that what's out outside that bubble is so much richer. Um, so that's kind of a summary of the bodies of others. Hmm. Yeah, one of the things I really liked, I think we dig into this in a little bit, but uh, you talk about what is the beast and it, it's a really self-reflective moment, right? Of um, you have to do some self-reflection in facing, oh gosh, what lies have I been believing? 
and mm-hmm. who am I aligning myself with and who am I shutting myself out from? So on that note, I thought it was really interesting and humbling the chapter you wrote called Conservatives, I Apologize. Uh, so everybody listening, I recommend buying this book just for that chapter because um, I think Naomi does a really good job of um, of walking this interesting road of exposing the lies she has believed and then how that affected how she sees so, mon- so many of us in America. But I wanted to ask you, what inspired you to write this chapter and and how has that mind shift um, changed your perspective on so many Americans? Yeah, great question. Well, I guess before I, you know, got to the place where I was ready to face the fact that I had believed a long laundry list of lies um, and and kind of done moral injustice to my fellow Americans on the conservative side of the aisle, um, I had witnessed unbelievably appalling behavior by people in my own tribe on the left um, whom I had thought would never have done the things they did Mm. in 20. 2020 to 2023, specifically 2021, 2022, when they were asked to participate in an overnight built uh, discrimination society, um, which, you know, legally had ended in this country in 1964 with the Civil Rights Act. And they, people around me in New York and in Washington, D.C., who would never discriminate against a same-sex couple or against a person of color or against, you know, a someone from a Native American community, wholeheartedly, unquestioningly jumped on board a Mm. society in which literally I could not walk into, I could not sit at literally a lunch counter um, in my hotel because of my unvaccinated status, as if that has no resonance, you know, in in our countries, if we have no history of knowing that's not a good idea. You know, we've been here before. And, and, And these people just had no problem with it. They had no problem with the vaccine passport. They had no problem with, you know, children being dropped, left out of school, you know, disproportionately impacting the most vulnerable communities. They had no problem. Feminists had no problem with women being, you know, having to leave the workforce to oversee children stuck at home, you know, chained to um, uh, keyboards. Uh, all the things, the economic theft, the transfer of you know, property and assets and revenue from small bodegas and mom and pop stores and those, you know, families who scraped and saved to get that one rental property, you know, first generation families. And it all got crushed and transferred to, you know, a handful of elites. The mom and pop stores had to close. Walmart and strip clubs and liquor stores stayed open. Um, Amazon stayed open. Etsy stayed open, right? Uh you know, the people around me had no problem with that. So it's a bit of a digression, but kind of not really, because before I wrote that essay, I had to face the fact that people I thought were critical thinkers, egalitarian people who believed in a just society, who didn't discriminate, right, were were behaving abominably, mm-hmm. you know, just happy to sacrifice all of their ideals without any reflection that they were sacrificing their ideals. Um, and then, and you know, as an unvaccinated person, I I experienced the the receiving end of exclusion and rejection and nastiness in a very personal way, you know. So um, there was no glossing it over, right? Because it was happening to me. I was witnessing this ugly behavior. So when you said, what is the beast? You know, there there are like three or four answers in the book to what is the beast, right? right. Uh, 
but one of them is that, right? That we, we in America who thought we were past this, um, half of us behaved appallingly in, 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 you know, showed the ugly face of, you know, the same face of people who colluded with, you know, what was the run up to Nazi Germany or colluded with Jim Crow laws, right? That was the face we saw in 2021, 2022, mm -hmm. many friends and neighbors and loved ones. And then, um, that experience, you know, had had kind of broken me down into like, wow, maybe maybe I have misperceived the world for a long time. You know, this was always there, right? Um, and then mm -hmm. I remember watching the Tucker Carlson show, and of course, you know, I'd been attacked for even talking to Tucker Carlson, <laughs> which is a whole other redonkulous subject. You know, like when did the left decide you're bad for having conversations with people? With whom you don't agree, <laughs> right? Conversations <laughs> with the other, as the other, as it's termed, exactly. yeah. The other, yes. But um, I watched the Tucker Carlson uh, January sixth footage that we hadn't been shown previously, and like, and I used to be a consultant for Vice uh, for President Clinton's reelection campaign and for Vice President Gore's uh, presidential run, and I was a White House spouse during the Clinton years, so I. I know what I'm looking at, right? When I look at that um, security footage, and I'd also done a little bit of historical research, and, and it confirmed what I had remembered, which mm -hmm. is Apple is the people's house. You know, like the left had done a really good job trying to message post January 6th that peacefully entering the Capitol was this horrific insurrection, right? I like violence is never okay, but. But peacefully entering the Capitol is is what people do every day at the Capitol. You know, it's a public building. So um, when I saw that footage, a lot of it very peaceful, a lot of it very weird to me as a White House spouse, right? Because those buildings have very set security plans. You know, you don't get police wandering around aimlessly when there's a breach. You just don't like. No, <laughs> you know, there's backup, there's National Guard, there's sure. you know, like it, it, that simply wouldn't happen if it if it was possible, we wouldn't have sent our husbands and wives to work in the old executive office building or the Capitol or the White House every day. Right. Um, so basically that led me to think, wow, all of that iterative messaging on CNN and The New York Times that we believed that there'd been a violent insurrection, it looked a certain way, and it was used to paint literally half the country as violent insurrectionists, right? That was, I'm not gonna say it was false, but it was a simplified version of events hmm. that left out other complexities. And then I thought, well, if I can be lied to about that, you know, if January 6th, didn't look just like that. If there's other footage that was concealed, that hasn't been revealed to us. And again, that footage belongs to us. Right. You know, those are just like, the, just like the building belongs to us, right? It's our building. Well, it's also our footage by law. I'm not being rhetorical. Literally, and your husband, who I assume is a lawyer, right? I, right? He yep. knows nodding because he knows it's like it's our stuff the, the footage who withheld it you know how could they withhold mm. it? it belongs to us it's our history it's our archive um there's a national archive because all that material is ours yeah so naomi let's pick up with this we're coming on a break let's pick up with this on the other side of the break because this is fantastic we appreciate all this insight 
Uh, we're on stand with Kelly, Nikki, and Chewbacca talking to Naomi Wolf. We'll be back right after this break. Make sure to hit subscribe and check out her book, Facing the Beast. We'll be right back.